Grace and peace, everybody. It's Pastor Leon, and welcome to the Pastor Cast. Uh, we are continuing our series on the study of Habakkuk as part of a seven-part series. I'm going to publish these twice a week until uh, this coronavirus stuff is over with, so I'll keep doing podcasts even after we get done with the study of Habakkuk. We'll do some other things. Uh, But uh, I thought that Habakkuk would be a great book for us to explore. I've done a study on this in the past, and uh, this actually fits where we are right now. Habakkuk was a prophet in ancient Israel that was prophesying in the late 500s BCE during the time of the Babylonian conquest of Israel and then the whole region. And so there was a lot of upheaval and there was a lot of uncertainty and a lot of crisis that was going on in the world around Habakkuk and the people of, uh, of Israel, the, the, the people of Judah. So it was a kingdom of Judah, which was in the southern uh, part of what is modern day Israel. It was a different kingdom than the kingdom of Israel. Uh, back after the time of Solomon, uh, Israel, which was one monolithic sort of country at that point, uh, split into two kingdoms. And the northern kingdom had 10 tribes, and uh, they were in the northern part of what is now modern-day Israel. And uh, the southern kingdom included two tribes, and that was where Jerusalem was, and the, and the temple, Solomon's temple, and the center of worship, and so forth. So the Assyrians uh, destroyed the northern kingdom of Israel, and so uh, the southern kingdom was all that was left of the Hebrew people. And so there were refugees that came from the north and, and lived there, and And so at any rate, Habakkuk is prophesying during this particular time in Israel's history. It's a time of crisis, a great uh, trepidation, and a lot of uncertainty. And unlike a lot of prophets, Habakkuk actually, uh, even though he would prophesy about things that would happen uh, if the people of Israel didn't return to God and, 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 and so forth, like a lot of the other prophets around him, contemporary prophets like Jeremiah, Habakkuk actually took his case to God on behalf of the people. And that's what we talked about last week. So this week, we're going to take a little step further and we're going to, uh, we're going to take a look at Habakkuk chapter one, um, and some verses within Habakkuk chapter one. And we're going to do a little bit of background on that. And, and we're going to talk, um, about what it means, uh, to call out to God, to let loose, to sort of let God know how you're feeling. There's, a myth about Christianity that's perpetuated despite kind of all the evidence to the contrary. And the myth is this, that when you trust Jesus, your problems are going to fade. So maybe this myth was conveyed to you at some point in time. I know uh, lots of Christians try to use this as a selling point for non-Christians. So they'll start following Jesus. It's kind of like a bait and switch. Like your life is going to be so amazing. This is what you're missing in life. And, and if you do this, if you become a Christian, then things are going to be great. I mean, they don't say it in so many words, but that's kind of the impression that a lot of people get. There are even some Christians who will try to put their head in the sand about their problems because they've been taught that they shouldn't have any problems if they really trust in God. Like if you really are putting your trust in God, you shouldn't have issues like uh, mental illness. You shouldn't have issues like physical illness. I mean, there's lots of people, I'm sure, that right now Um, are struggling with their theology because they've been taught and they've been believing their whole lives that things like plagues, like viruses and pandemics, that those kind of things happen uh, as a result of God's judgment. And that would have been a very, uh, that would have been a popular sort of uh, way of thinking about the world even back in Habakkuk's day. So some people still believe that kind of thing. 
Um, there was uh, there was a story I heard once. There was a woman that uh, came to our church, and we were having a class. Um, and uh, this, as part of the class, there was a video. And uh, in this video, the woman that was being interviewed, she was told by her pastor that the reason why her son was born with Down syndrome was because she had sinned. I mean, that's the kind of thing that can also happen uh, with people uh, who call themselves Christians. And the fact of the matter is that we all face problems of one sort or another. And right now, we are living in unbelievably uncertain times. As we talked about last week, the culture of fear uh, that, that we are sort of living under is taking its toll. It's already taken its toll, even in the, the last couple of weeks. I mean, sometimes bad things just happen to good people. I mean, injustice is all around us. And when we ignore the realities of the world and we try to explain them away or we blame them on personal transgression or say this is some sort of judgment that God is meeting out on people because they've sinned, um, you know, this doesn't help. It's not helpful. And that's what a lot of Christians do, unfortunately. I've learned that Christians who claim to be without problems or doubts, they're either not telling the truth or they're not growing in their faith. And so in Habakkuk chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, we, we've got this passage from the prophet. So keep in mind, this is the prophet Habakkuk who is speaking to God on behalf of the people. So this is what he says. How long, O Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen? Whoa, right? I mean, there's a lot of us, I think, that are probably feeling that way right now. We're struggling uh, with this kind of stuff. We're struggling because we feel like that God may not be listening to us. Or this is what Habakkuk says. Or I cry out to you, violence, but you do not save. Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. Therefore, the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. The wicked hem in the righteous so that justice is perverted. There is a word that looms large in this passage. And that word is mishpat, mishpat, uh, which means the act of doing justice or acting justly. In this case, the prophet would have been referring uh, to the kind of justice that comes when God's reign happens, um, when the shalom of God is present, the peace of God is permeating all of creation. And so he's full of dismay that injustice abounds all around him and God doesn't seem to be doing anything about it. But as you can see, Habakkuk isn't just speaking casually about the injustice that he sees. In fact, to say that he's being forceful doesn't even do his word to your justice. So he screams out that word like mishpat. Like how long must I call for help? What is going on here? In verse 2, Habakkuk says that he must call for help. The Hebrew word is shiwa ati, which means to call for help. <laughs> but the word that is used in verse 3 that is translated as cry out is the Hebrew word exak, which actually means to scream. Habakkuk follows with the exclamation violence, which is what someone in the ancient world would have screamed if they were being attacked on the, on the street. Or I scream out to you, he says, violence, but you do not save. That's some pretty serious shouting. 
I mean, I, I've done my fair of shouting at concerts and sporting events. Um, I remember, you know, being at well, back in the day when my, my alma mater, Florida State, actually used to win games and actually used to win national championships and stuff. I mean, I remember being in the games and screaming myself hoarse. And I did the same thing when I, I've been to concerts. And, um, you know, I recently, I, I recently went to see... <laughs> I recently went to see uh, the band Slipknot uh, in Austin this past year, and there was just so much. It was so loud, and even just to talk, even just to be heard uh, to the guy that I was with, um, you know, I I left those concerts like that. I couldn't even hear her speak. And so this is what Habakkuk is doing as he calls attention to the miscarriage of justice in his culture. Mishpat. Exach. He screams, right? In the ancient Near East, justice was the most basic and necessary characteristic of society. It was the one thing that gave hope to the poor and to the downtrodden. And it was what made it possible for people to share ideas about the common good. And for the people of Israel, it was the desire and nature of God. So that's how they saw God. And so when Habakkuk seeks and sees injustice in the political, judicial, economic institutions in Israel, and all of the things that are going on around them, all of the violence, all of the horrible stuff that's happening in the world, he begins to wonder why the desire and the nature of God is being thwarted. And so he cries out to God. Why is it so hard for us to turn to God? I mean, to like really turn to God and, and to maybe let God have it, to let God know how we feel. What makes us so uncomfortable about shouting at him? I once led a Bible study and I asked the group, I said, have you ever had a time in your life where you questioned God or you wanted to yell at God because you were angry with him. And there was this sweet old couple, and they were just kind of horrified. And they, they said, why would you ever question God? Why would you even dream about shouting at him? When I served as a chaplain in, in a Florida hospital many years ago, I was summoned to a man's room in the middle of the night for what was what's called a code blue, which means the patient had gone into cardiac arrest. So I stood outside the room while the doctors and the nurses, they worked on him as wife and teenage daughter they came running down the hall they had been in a waiting room and I met them and I introduced myself as the chaplain and a nurse approached the family and told that the, told them that the man had passed away so the daughter began to scream and to cry and she ran down the hall and finally she collapsed on the floor and I knelt down beside her and she screamed at me I hate God I hate God why would he let this happen to my daddy So I wanted to run as far away from that moment as I could. But instead, I sat on the floor beside her while she screamed and she railed at God. And suddenly a physician walked up to me and he pulled me aside. He said, hey, are you the chaplain? And I told him, yeah, I'm the chaplain. And the guy says, okay, well, he's going to be fine. We stabilized him. I told him that the family had already been told that the guy was dead. And the physician was incredulous. He said, that's ridiculous. I can't believe somebody did that. And he said, and he shook his head. And and then he told me, he says, well, now you get to tell them otherwise. So I returned to the family and I told them gently that their loved one was still alive, that there had been a mistake. And the girl looked at me in disbelief and her mouth just kind of moved wordlessly for a moment. And then she just kept saying, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I never got the chance to follow up with her about why she apologized. I, I imagined it was because she had screamed at God when she thought her father was dead. And when she realized that her father wasn't dead, she felt ashamed. 
I wished I could have told her that God was big enough and loving enough to hold her when she was angry and that nothing she could have said in that moment would have made him love her less. A few years ago, there was a story that came out of Vancouver that splashed all over the news. There was this woman by, by the name of Becky Storo. She was a lively, attractive young woman, and she was attacked by somebody who threw acid in her face. Storo told police that a black woman had walked up to her and said, hey, pretty lady, and then threw the acid on her face. Her face was badly burned, but she was so upbeat and positive about her ordeal that she landed on virtually every news channel and was even in a negotiations to appear on Oprah Winfrey's show. She was kind of a celebrity who even endeared herself to Christians all over the world when she gave glory to God and was fairly open about her Christian faith. And then, and then, it was discovered that she lied. She had actually poured the acid on herself and had concocted the story about the black woman who came and threw it on her. Why would this attractive young woman do such a thing? I mean, what was her purpose? Now, she confessed that she wanted to try to share the message of Jesus with more people and decided that her disfigurement would be a way to do that dramatically. It doesn't make a lot of sense. Obviously, she was a troubled, troubled young woman because if she was worried about people coming to know Jesus or concerned about a world falling apart around her, she could have called on God. She could have shouted to God. She could have done this. And God would have never stopped loving her, and yet she chose to destroy herself instead. You see, I see Bethany Storo's tragic situation as an example of what so many of us do when we try to live outside of a real relationship with God. And I'm talking about a real and true relationship, one where we are able to give and to take. When we have a real relationship with God, we don't worry about sharing our deepest emotions because we know that God will never leave us or forsake us. But what do we do with all the helplessness that we feel? Habakkuk shouted and screamed at God, but he didn't do it out of doubt. He did it out of faith. You see, Habakkuk believed that the world should be better and believed in the one who could make it so. I love what happens with Habakkuk. He's shouting. He's essentially calling God out, reminding God of what kind of God God really is and begging fervently for God to prove what Habakkuk believes to be true. When people ask me uh, about uh, my wife, um, what she's like, I have no problem giving them a long list of attributes. Um, I can talk about her strength. I can talk about how she's a wonderful mother. I can talk about how smart she is um, and uh, how successful she is in business. I mean, we cannot do that with all of our loved ones, right? We can describe them. We can talk about them. You know, think about your own beloved. Think about somebody that you love dearly or, or, or a family member that you are so close with, that you admire so deeply and that you, you know, you, you just can't think about living without. I mean, when you think about them, when you describe them, you know, you find yourself, you know, being drawn to them in a way. You know, you, you are reminded then of all the things that are amazing about them. But here's something else. When you're in disagreement with them, when you're in disagreement with them, when you have conflict, you often find yourself looking at that person and thinking, there is no person on the face of this earth that can push my buttons like you. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, like there's a person in your life, I'm sure, that can push your buttons just worse than anybody, right? That, but yet, 
even so, even though they know you, even though there's this, there's this connection that, that can cause that strife, that friction, you also have that deeper connection because you know who they really are. You, you, you are drawn to them because of that. I mean, all those things are true. So I think about Habakkuk, and he's shouting at God in this moment. He's thinking to himself, there's like no one in this earth that knows me, that knows this situation more than God does. And, and I'm struggling here, you know, because, because of that, I'm wondering why God doesn't do something. And God is really pushing my buttons. But yet, I'm also realizing that God is the one who can change this. And as Habakkuk is shouting and as he's calling God out, he's also thinking about how incredible God is. He's thinking about the way that God desires justice and has promised peace and redemption for all of creation. Habakkuk's relationship with God was secure enough that Habakkuk could shout in helplessness and know that God would hear him. And further, he knew that God would love him no matter what he shouted. So what's your relationship with God like? Could it withstand a disagreement or... Do you feel so far away from God that you prefer to make things right in your own life on your own, even if it destroys you? So hear these words that the Apostle Paul wrote 2,000 years ago. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. There is nothing that will separate you from God's love. Not your anger, not your screams, not your distance from God. Nothing, nothing can separate you from God's love. So if you feel right now like letting go, like letting God have it by saying all the things that are in your heart, the things that you're struggling with, the struggles that you have with this whole situation, this helpless and sometimes seemingly hopeless situation that we are in. If you feel like shouting, if you feel like screaming, you do it and know that the one that you're railing against is the one who loves you more than you could possibly know. And there's nothing you could say as you let it all out, as you let it go. And you know, in the heart of your, in the deepest part of your heart, no matter what you say, no matter what you're feeling, that God is there. God's never going to leave you or forsake you. Nothing's going to separate you from God's love. Well, I hope that this has been helpful. Um, We're going to be picking up, that the next uh, time that we meet, we're going to be going a little farther in uh, the book of Habakkuk because after Habakkuk has his say, then God responds. <laughs> and so God responds a little later in Habakkuk chapter one. And so we're going to pick that up in our third installment of the series on Habakkuk. And I hope that you keep tuning in. Uh, we'll be doing this one more time this week, and then uh, we'll continue for the next few weeks as we finish up. Uh, We'll talk to you soon. Have a wonderful day, guys. Uh, Be safe. Take care. Bye-bye.